You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MJ Sportscast. This is Mike Tang, joined by my co-host and producer, Jerry Yang. Jerry, how are you doing today? Good, good. Another week of sports and, you know, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, I think being in the Bay Area is awesome. You have, like, the Niners and you have the Giants to watch right now. And both teams are, you know, one team is looking, like, on the rise and the Giants look like the real deal. So we're we're at a good time right now, good time in sports. How are you doing today? Oh, we're doing well here. You know, just kind of um, finishing up some thoughts about the 49ers and uh, the Giants' continual hot start. But uh, let's kind of talk about the NFL um, here. Mm -hmm. The 49ers just concluded their second exhibition game against the Chargers. They've been practicing against the Chargers as well for the past week or so. Um, did you have any key takeaways, um, Any anything that you liked or disliked? Um, about the game or in general, I guess. Yeah, just about <laughs> the game and in general. And how, yeah, do, you see, yeah, yeah. how do you see so, the 49ers uh, preseason concluding? Yeah, so it was kind of <laughs> exciting to hear about the lead up to uh, the preseason game with Joey Bosa, I think, with his brother Nick there. Um, you know, the two of them are, you know, very competitive guys, I guess. And I think there was a few times where Joey actually got to. Uh, Jimmy G during practice, <laughs> uh, the joint practice, which I always thought was interesting, right? To do kind of a joint practice with another team. Um, you just wonder how much of the playbook you actually open up during the training camp and how much you are kind of saving it for the game, right? But if you're saving it for the game and for the regular season, you know, are you really getting a full practice in? And how competitive are the guys in these practices? You know, so I've always wondered what it's like to be you know, in a joint practice like that with the Chargers or with some other, you know, team. They never do it within division, which makes sense, or even within conference. But, you know, it's interesting that it's the Chargers this year, not the Raiders, right? I think in the past we've done the Raiders and Denver, so it's always been kind of like the AFC West that we always partner with. But, but yeah, it's interesting stuff. So as far as the game goes, man, Lance looks good. I mean, his passes had a lot of zip to him, you know, a lot of good passes. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is actually the fifth rounders in for the Niners. I mean, Jalen Moore, Denine Lanier, and Hufanga, they all make good plays, you know. So to me, yeah, I, that seems to be John Lynch's sweet spot is the fifth round. And I think guys on defense that also look good were um, Devontae Harris, which led the team in tackles, and HaHa Clinton Dix. You know, funny name, but he also did pretty well. So I think overall the Niners are looking pretty good. I think obviously there's a lot to improve on. You know, like I think Lance was had a really rocky start. Jimmy had a really rocky start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think Lance kind of found the groove, and we'll be interesting to see how the receivers respond to Lance's pass when he actually does get the full start. You know, like he has a lot of zip, a lot of uh, force when he throws his balls, and 
I don't think the guys are used to that. And I think he has to find like a middle ground where he can't just be throwing these fastballs at people and expect him to always catch it. But as a pro, you're kind of expected to make those catches, right? So, I mean, what was your takeaway on this game? Yeah, just from Trey Lance alone, the eyeball test um, kind of proves that he can be a really, really good NFL quarterback. But as you can see from the first two preseason games here, um, he's completed less than half his passes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there were a couple of drops, but uh, you can see kind of like he, you can kind of see that sense where he's only played like one real game before this preseason and it shows, well, right? Yeah, they said it was actually 351 <laughs> games before the first preseason game, right? And that's a lot of days before <laughs> it, you know? So it's a, yeah. uh, you know, given his second week, he looked pretty good for a two-week starter, you know. So it's uh yeah, I think the interceptions were nasty, right? <laughs> From both Jimmy and Trey, right? Though mm -hmm. I think we probably could have uh they could have done better, right? Better reads. I think um Jimmy overthrew the guy and got tipped up, and then I think Lance underthrew someone and it got kind of um it got intercepted, right? Got red. So so yeah, they have to kind of improve on that. Um, but you know, I think this shows that Lance needs time. It's kind of like James Wiseman. You don't throw him into like a starting position unfairly, especially if the quarterback is so important. You know, it's like yeah. kind of hard to hard to gauge that. Yeah, um, but you can see some of his strengths, especially in the red zone area where he can be yeah. so dynamic with his arm and also with his legs um, there, and he can make these like kind of quick you know, quick decisions mm -hmm. um, on the move. You can kind of see that in the first, you know, couple preseason games. So I think Shanahan will utilize Trey Lance um, in those type of packages, um, especially in the red zone mm -hmm. um, here. Uh, you were kind of talking about how um, the differences between these kind of practice, um, these practice type games mm -hmm. against the real type games here. And I think like the practice games are more intense, to be honest, than the real mm -hmm. games itself um, from what I'm, hearing from, you know, these these type of training camp games. Um, I'm hearing... So you're saying the, the camp is more intense than actual game? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you're kind of you're kind of seeing um, both teams really utilizing kind of like the playbook and practices, but mm, not I so see. much in games itself um, here. You know, what have we've, we've heard is Demeco Ryans, the new defensive coordinator, He's actually uh -huh. utilizing a lot more blitz packages as opposed to what Robert Sala um, implemented um, during his time here. And, you know, Demeco Ryan, he comes from a different type of system himself yeah. and where he played from. So that's going to be kind of interesting to watch to see, you know, guys like Fred Warner, um, a bunch of linebacker safeties, you know, going in for blitz packages as opposed to relying on our defensive line to pressure mm -hmm. the quarterback. Um, here, so that's something to kind of watch for the beginning of the season. You're going to see a lot of blitzes. Um, who knows if they're going to stay with it because our defensive line is so is so good. But mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I'm pretty intrigued by. Uh, you yeah, we have the guys to do it right. I think D Ford is coming back with Nick Bosa. Obviously, can pressure and you know once you add more guys in there, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. You know and. I think we're kind of under, and I think that's a good approach. I think that was the frustration with um, Sala, right? Is how he never pressures guys, um, never have blip packages, especially on third down. You know, that, that's when you kind of expect like a third and long to have a lot of blitz packages because they're obviously not going to run the ball. You know, so we'll we'll have to see how it goes.
Yeah. So real quick, we have a, uh, you know, we're on Twitch. This is our first show on Twitch, and Duke of Elk, I can't pronounce that B T Y B I T says Aloha, guys. Um, so Duke, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. So let's kind of move on. Um, so we're, let's kind of talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars um, here. They drafted uh, Trevor Lawrence, and it uh, looks like they're kind of having a rocky start, especially in preseason. Yeah. And uh, Urban Myers having a difficult, maybe a possible difficult time adapting to the NFL game. Um, we're looking at some of the quarterbacks um, here. They have uh, Minshew, the second. They have C.J. Beathard, a 49er quarterback mm-hmm. from the past couple of seasons, and also Trevor Lawrence. Um, here, looking at C.J. Beathard's stats, you know, you, he, he's nine for 14, 121 yards with two touchdowns. Um, looks like he has the best numbers out of the three guys. Uh, here. Do you think it was a mistake for the 49ers to let let go of C.J. Beathard um, here, or was it just time for the 49ers to let him go? I think it was time to let him go. I think he wouldn't want to be QB3, at least the salary that he's probably demanding. He wants QB2 money, right? But I do think, yeah, Jaguar, Jaguars are really struggling. You know, they lost Travis Etienne recently to an injury. And they had to cut Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow had a viral clip of him with a missed block. You know, that's not a great look when you personally brought this guy in to be a tight end. And, you know, if you can't block, you can't, you can't play. So he got cut as well. So, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I think Travis Etienne's out with an injury for the season. So that's unfortunate. And we have Beast Rider as tuning in. Hey, what's up, guys? He says, and he also says Travis Etienne's out for the season with a Liz Frock injury. That's a huge blow for Jacksonville as well. Yeah, totally. Etn, you know, I yeah. I should really like Etn college. You know, like I think watching his games, he had a lot of potential. But man, that Liz Frank injury—it's like a broken bone within the toe, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um. We'll have to see how he does, you know, after he comes back. But that's not a good injury. You know, and it's a really rough start to his career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jacksonville, what, are your, what is your take on how they're going to do for the regular season? Do you think they're going to overcome uh, some of these injuries and some of the slow starts by the rookies? Or do you think they're going to, uh, you know, adapt and maybe start start off pretty hot? I don't think they'll start off hot. <laughs> I think they're. I don't think they'll be as bad as last year. I think they're gonna show some improvements, but yeah, yeah, it's not gonna be a fast start for them, you know. So we'll we'll have to see how it goes. But you know, I'm not I'm not too optimistic about them in general. So yeah, Urban Myers, I think for, this is a big testament to him, right? To be first time in the NFL, I think he has to adapt and learn, and he has a lot of young guys that he drafted as well. So it's going to be a big struggle. And then I think um, guys like Robert Sala with the Jets is actually looking pretty good. You know, having that offensive coordinator experience, I think outweighs having a college uh, head coaching experience. You know, we saw Nick Saban struggle with Miami as well, and he looked—he's one of the best, probably the best, right? Um, college head coach. So if he can't make it work, I'm not too optimistic about yeah. Myers. So, all right, let's kind of move on to uh, Major League Baseball here uh, with the San Francisco Giants. Beast Rider has also commented real quick oh, about Jacksonville going to be drafting in the top five again in 2022. <laughs> they really suck. 
<laughs> if Beast Rider says so, you know, I, I think know. <laughs> we kind of have to agree with that as well. We trust his analysis covers, for sure. <laughs> he covers all 32 NFL teams. And uh, if Jacksonville is having some, uh, some, some challenges, that's uh, going to be a long season for them. Yeah, so shout out to Beast Rider. Make sure you tune into his show. I think uh, he has a lot of great insight. And I, I hope he does a video on Jacksonville, actually. I think that's one of the more intriguing teams of the season, you know, in the low key, right? I don't think mm-hmm. everyone's like super hype about them, but be- because of how they, how high they drafted and how many new players they brought in and having Trevor Lawrence there, I think there's a lot of tension on that team, right? A lot of people want to see if Urban Myers can pan out, right? And if Trevor Lawrence is as good as he was in college. So there's a lot of open questions about them. So I'd, I'll be interested in seeing a video if uh, Beast Rider does a video on them, and I'll probably be tracking them throughout the season. So, yeah. And I think one thing I must say from fantasy-wise, James Robinson's draft value goes up, right? Mm-hmm. Without ETN there, I think he's not competing for touches anymore. So if you haven't done your NFL draft, uh, I think he's probably a first-round pick in, in fantasy. Absolutely. As we were talking about with Major League Baseball, uh, the San Francisco Giants, they're running a, you know pretty hot right now, but the Dodgers are, are hot as well, and they're right on their tracks. What are they at, like around two and a half? Two games yeah, behind the yeah, Giants. two and a half games now. Yeah, two and a half games. But about a couple of weeks ago, the Giants signed uh, Brandon Crawford to an extension, two years, thirty-two million dollars. Um, here, did you like the signing? Um, here, what do you think of the contract itself? And do you think uh, do you think he fits within the next few years? Oh yeah, totally. I think it was an awesome signing, right? I think it kind of sends a message to the org that hey, if you do well, you get paid. You know, and they, mm-hmm. Brandon Crawford, I think, you know, if it wasn't for Shohan Otani, I think, you know, Crawford had a legit shot at MVP this season. You know, I think, Sho- oh, you know, Shohan Otani is probably going to get it, but, you know, Crawford will be in the running, at least in the top three. So I think with that type of performance, you know, 32 million isn't too much for two years. I think in a couple of years, we'll look back and say that was a great deal, you know, especially right. with how hot he's been. I think now we have to look at Posey, right? Posey is the next guy that has been doing well this season and, um, you know, face of the franchise for the last few years. Are they going to give Buster Posey a big contract too? And I know Posey wants to stay, right? So that's uh, that's that's where all the fans will be looking at now. And in reference to the Dodgers, yeah, I mean, Dodgers are hot. I mean, that's what happens when you spend a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, you get a lot of good players and you go on these hot runs. But I'm just amazed that the Giants are able to still keep that two-and-a-half game lead, right? So, uh, And they're getting it done with the long ball. I mean, th- we took two, two out of three against the A's. That was not an easy feat. The A's are a pretty good team, you know? And the A's, A's fans are concerned. They're actually out of the playoff hunt right now, right? Um, I think they're two games back um, of the wild card picture, and they're going to play the Yankees in a series. And they better win that series. If not, then... That's it. It might be a good night to the A's. Yeah, I think the Crawford contract is a huge bargain, um, especially to the Giants here. He could have, you know, waited it out and went into the mm-hmm. offseason and tried to play hardball and maybe collect $22 million or so from the market. But he decided to kind of give a hometown discount to the Giants at $16 million a year, which I think yep. is a 
it's a huge value for what he brings both offensively and defensively here. Um, he's huge. He's a huge consideration for MVP uh, this mm -hmm. season. Um, maybe not top two, but I think he's at least in the top five in the NL MVP ballot. Um, he's hitting 300. He's, he's, he's approaching 20 home runs this season. He has over 70 RBIs. Um, he still plays tip top defense. Um, he's very valuable to this team. And uh, it kind of gives an example, right, to other players, not just Posey, but it also shows to Chris Bryant, who was just acquired mm. by the That's Giants, right. that, look, you know, we're going to take care of our players and, uh, you know, you may be next. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, Chris Bryant is probably the next guy that I would want to sign over Posey um, here just because of Chris Bryant's age and the way that he can um, play different positions um, in the field as well. Yep, and we have a question from Duke. He says, what are your thoughts on the other Brandon? Giants going to sign him or let him walk? So I think he's referring to Brandon Belt. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Belt's having a hot season. I think he has his career high of 18 home runs this year. So, I mean, I hope they sign him. What do you think, um, uh, Mike? Well, I think the priority is going to be Chris Bryant, Brandon Belt, and then Posey. And hopefully hmm. the Giants can sign all three um, here. But Brandon Belt really fits um the giants offensive philosophy in terms of getting on base and um and hitting home runs so i do think that the giants um could sign them but we're gonna have to see right uh when when is brandon belt's contract over i think after this yeah, season, after, right after this season yeah he's an unrestricted free agent in 2022 so that's a really good question by duke right yeah, <laughs> i think yeah. i think definitely chris bryant is a priority but I don't know how um, how it's gonna pan out between the two. You know, I think both of them will command top dollar. So I think there might be a trade off here. You know, I think even if Chris Bryant is a rental for the season, he's already added so much value. You know, and if he's gonna take us to the World Series eventually, I think that's a big consideration. You know, that for him at least, that hey. We're able to do it. You know, we're able to be on a good team. And I hope that locker room is really healthy as well. I think that's going to be the the turning point for someone like Chris Bryant because he came out of a locker room that was somewhat dysfunctional with the Cubs, right? So I think he could have commanded top dollar with the Cubs, but he he got traded. You know, <laughs> he didn't really have a yeah. choice. And, and from what I heard, they're clearing the locker room in chicago right i think a lot of right. players actually got released there so so that's never a good situation to be in so he i think that's why he was so happy to be out of chicago and with the giants i think there was like a very emotional video that got sent where he heard the news in the middle of the game and he kind of broke down crying and i think that's why right because he's yeah. finally i think it's a sigh of relief more than anything else so would you be surprised if the giants re-signed brandon bell somewhat like how they re-signed um Brandon Crawford in the middle of the season here, or do, or do you think they're going to wait it out till the off season? My opinion, I think they're most likely going to wait it out till this off season to see um, how much he commands and if he can stay healthy for the rest of this season too. Yeah. That's the biggest concern about belt, right? I think numbers are there. The intangibles are there, but he's just having trouble staying healthy. And I think yeah. they want to see at the end of the season, how, how many games he's missed you know, versus how many games he's played and kind of do that risk assessment. And, you know, um, the Giants are really into analytics. And I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at the analytics of it, factoring in injury, factoring in, you know, the home run percentage and the 
and the batting average and everything else, you know, they probably come up with a formula that has a contract number that Belt can or cannot agree with, right? So he, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be his call, right? I think the Giants will make an offer, but whether he wants to take a home team discount or if it goes in the market, I think it's be up to him. So, yeah. All right. On to the NBA. So the schedule has been out um, here. The NBA has released some opening night dates on October 19th, kicking it off with the Nets um, versus Bucks. So that's the uh, conference championship um, <laughs> renewal here. And then also the Warriors Lakers um, there as primetime games. Um, do you see these games as be- being pretty exciting on your end? Hell yeah. <laughs> can I get more excited? I don't know. I don't know if I can get more excited, but the Nets and the Bucks, like that's a great matchup, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's an East rematch. And the Warriors and the Lakers and LeBron versus Curry, right? It's going to be the marketing. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited at how quickly it's coming back. You know, I feel like the NBA offseason is really short again. I don't know if it's because of COVID, they kind of condense it together but i was really surprised to hear that october is already starting back up <laughs> for some reason i've always thought nba has a longer layoff you know layoff period but right. yeah i'm really excited to get back i think the biggest exciting and the unknown that we we have to think about with the warriors is clay thompson right he posted a video of him on twitter making 10 straight three-pointers um you know so that that excited the fans but I think where his injury actually will make a difference, I don't think it's on the shooting end, unfortunately. It's going to be on the defensive end, right? I think he defensively has been a monster for us in the past. And I think that's one of the more underrated attributes of Clay Thompson. Everyone thinks about the Splash Brothers, but I think he's really or contributes a lot more actually on the defensive end. And with the injury, that's a big unknown. You know, that's a really big unknown. And I, I hope that he can at least keep up with some of the guys, but I, I can see a drop off there, you know, and how big of a drop off and how much they manage his minutes. I think those are the kind of open questions there. So, I mean, are you excited for this season? I know, I know you're a big NBA guy, so your uh, basketball is kind of your world. So are you excited for the games and how do you think Clay would do? Yeah. Typically the season is over um, around the June timeframe this uh-huh. year because the season started later. It ended around July or so so that's why it feels like the season is kind of approaching pretty quickly after the last finals game um here and uh yeah i'm really i'm really excited about nba um it's it's good that we have major league baseball and also football to kind of look forward to right before the nba season so um yeah i'm excited but it's like it feels like it's still a long ways to go right feel it still feels like a couple months um away here um kind of related to clay yeah you're right uh, he does look good shooting the ball and kind of running up and down the sidelines. But the biggest test is actually how he plays through contact, right? And how yeah. he plays through these like five on five scrimmages where it's going to be intense and he has to kind of plant his foot, um, where he has to kind of run and run and stop at the same time. That's the biggest test. So it's probably going to take at least three or four months for him to be, mm-hmm. you know, on an NBA court. So we're like targeting what? around December timeframe, maybe Christmas yeah. time um, here. So it's not going to be anytime soon. So we're going to have to find some way to um, to put someone else out there. If it's someone like Jordan Poole, who can kind of be slotted into the starting lineup and kind of put together some production. 
but uh, fans should not expect Clay to be on the court anytime soon. Do, do you think there's a better chance of Kumunga and Moody to be there than Clay at this point in the start of the season, or do you think those guys would be more G Leaguers for a while? I think that Kuminga could use some time in the G League on there, just kind of harnessing his skills. And he could sure use a lot more minutes as opposed to sitting on the bench. I think Moses Moody, uh, he can contribute um, in a rotation in the second unit or so, but he's also limited as well athletically. Um, Mm -hmm. But I could also see him, you know, coming in for about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so a game and deliver some sort of, uh, deliver some sort of um, shooting you know, for that second unit or so. But I don't see those guys really producing starter-type numbers for the Warriors, at least for the first three months. And that's a big concern, right? Because you're losing Kelly Oubre, and then you lost Kent Bazemore. Those those are two big guys that we lost since last season. And I don't think the Warriors have anyone really on the roster that backfills those two guys, you know? I mean, you added – who did they even add, right? Like I think Otto Porter. You know, yeah, Porter. Uh, Otto Porter and Jordan Poole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Poole, yes. Okay, I'll give you Poole. Poole is a, definitely a good backup and all that stuff. I can come in and probably fill in, right? Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, you, you've lost a lot of guys. So I'm, I, you know, I'm not as, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic about the Warriors, but I wouldn't be surprised if they start the season with a little bit of a losing streak until they kind of find their find their way here you know mm-hmm. so let's i guess taper expectations i would say to the warrior fans <laughs> yep. last week also uh kevin durant and draymond green um had an exclusive interview that's shown on youtube um here kind of detailing um some of their own relationship uh, what kd's plans are um what he thought about the okc thunder and also about his time with the warriors um, here, but most notably, in my opinion, was their conversation about the incident um, in LA involving the Clippers um, here, in which Draymond Green basically yelled at Kevin Durant at the end of the game um, here, and they got into a verbal altercation on the bench. Um, did you think? Uh, did you think the conversation was? was pretty informative yourself here and uh, did you think they gave up they gave away too much information during the interview? <laughs> well i think um first off I'll, i just want to say draymond green with a show is great i hope he does more of these i know the season's starting back up so he probably won't but you know hearing him interview durant was awesome so hopefully he does it with clay does it with curry or maybe even with steve kerr right i think it'll be yeah. great he was a great interviewer he's entertaining i think i wouldn't be surprised if he has like a broadcast career or like a YouTube show like us, you know, eventually. And I, I he'll, he's a very entertaining guy. So with that being said, yeah, I, I mean, what he said was interesting because he thought at least what Kevin Durant said was interesting, I thought, too, where they thought that this beef was between the two of them and that the organization was pushing a bit too hard for them to mend fences, right? And mm-hmm. he wanted to have, um, similar to what The Last Dance had with uh, the Chicago Bulls documentary, Last Dance, where they had kind of a locker room sit down and hash it out, you know, and that they never had that moment, apparently. And that's what led to Durant leaving. But I don't, I don't 100% buy it. I think... I don't think they would have ever worked it out, even if they had a locker room, you know, yeah. beef, whatever. I think Kevin Durant was selling, leaving 
to begin with. You know, right. I don't think a locker room sit down is going to change that. You know, and I think uh, Draymond Green kind of threw the org on their bus a little bit. Which, hey, you know what? That's what Draymond does, right? I mean, he's a leader in the locker room, so I don't think we should be surprised that he does these things anymore. And he has such a big influence. I feel like he he feels comfortable saying these things, right? Um, but I think as a viewer, we felt a little bit uncomfortable saying just loving the team. You know, <laughs> I think we're we can all agree we're bigger Warrior fans than we are Draymond Green fans, right? Mm-hmm. And so I got a little bit defensive when I was watching that a little bit. Like, okay, sure. Like, you know, the org didn't help you out. The Warriors didn't help you out as much. Or they pushed for this narrative. Obviously, we're on the playoff run. <laughs> you know, they want, right. they want these two guys. They're the biggest stars on this team. So what do you expect? You know, you, you expect the Warriors just to sit back and let things expo- implode? Or, of course, we're going to be pushing for them to mend fences, you know? So that, that I think, ticked me off a little bit, to be honest with you, right? You can kind of detect my emotions here <laughs> where I, that yeah. didn't sit well with me, you know? I thought that was a little bit off. But overall, I thought it was a good interview. I like how transparent it was. And, you know, it's just interesting to think that that's what they were thinking the whole time, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because Draymond Green got suspended without pay, right, the following yeah. game. Um, there and at the time he didn't really say anything but now maybe three years later he reveals that it's the organization's fault um, yeah. there and that it was Kurt and Bob Myers blame um, you know for the whole incident and why mm-hmm. you know why they drifted apart right but in essence did that did all of us really think of that when Draymond Green <laughs> got suspended at the time no you know so I don't know. I felt it was um, a slap in the face. I felt like Draymond Green was kind of dissing his current employer, you yeah. know, over an incident that happened, you know, two years ago or so. So um, it is what I think it is. It, I think it also shows how much power a player has over an organization to be able yeah. for him to say this, right? Like, I think yeah. back in the old days, imagine if like Pippen or or Dennis Rodman had said this about the Bulls. I think the whole locker room would have turned on them and they probably would let him go, you know? But yeah. I think the, with the league these days being more of a player focus, more than the org focus type of thing, um, Draymond can say this without any consequences, you know? So, so I yeah. thought that was interesting. Just like a generational change and also a shifting of power, I guess. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to our picks for the week. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we have a Niners game this weekend. Niners versus the Raiders at home. So the spreads minus three and a half. Over under is 35.5. So who do you have, Mike? What's your pick? I am going to go this time with the Raiders in this one um, here. Just because I think the 49ers are going to sit a lot of their starters in this game. Because it is the last preseason game, right? Before right. the regular yep. season. Yep. And that, that's the part I, where I had to get used to, right? Because this, <laughs> um, there's only three preseason games this season rather than four. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. So I do see the Raiders, you know, coming out ahead um, here, maybe by like five or six points or so. And mm-hmm. looking at the over under 35.5, that's cutting it awfully close, but I'm going to yeah. go with the under on 35.5 i think it's going to be a lower scoring game 
um, here. I think the def I think that the defense on both ends will be pretty good. And uh, mm -hmm. just from watching the first couple games with the Niners, they've had some trouble scoring the ball, right? Yeah. And moving the ball up and down the field. So I'm going to go Raiders uh, with the three and a half spread uh, and also with the under 35.5. What about you? I'm going to go with the Niners plus three and a half, mainly because I think they're going to play more Trey Lance, right? I mm. think they want to give Trey Lance more minutes to to kind of um, get that experience on our belt when the games don't count. You know, I think they did play Trey Lance for two and a half um, quarters last game. And I think it might, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays all three quarters this time, right? All three yeah. quarters, if not, you know, most of all, most of the game, you know, I think um, what was interesting though, I think we didn't touch upon this is Kyle Shanahan came out and said that, there's a possibility that anyone could start on this team. He says, yeah, there's three quarterbacks that are potential starters, you know, but in reality, I think it's going to be Jimmy G that's going to start. Mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I would say Jimmy G is very limited. So it might be a split between Lance and Stuffield, but I think Lance will get more minutes, right? So I think that's why I'll go with the minus three and a half at home. I think they want to, you know, end the season, a preseason with a bang and some momentum. So three and a half there. And I agree with you on the under. Um, I don't think any of these preseason games where both the Niners and the Raiders have gone over yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think the trend kind of continues with three and a half. And you're right. Both defenses are pretty legit and pretty deep, right? So I think uh, the backups are really deep there. Yep. Okay, so let's do our next pick. Our next pick is going to be the Giants versus the Mets in um, New York. So Johnny Cueto will be starting. He's 7-6, 3.89 ERA with 92 strikeouts versus T Taiwan Walker. He's 7-8, or 3.86 ERA. And he has 114 strikeouts. Pretty impressive, right? The strikeout yeah. number is pretty good out there. So the Giants are uh, favorites at minus 105, and they're on the road, right? And then, um, or sorry, the Giants are underdogs at minus, minus 105, right? But they're a minus underdog, not a plus underdog, which is a little bit unusual in baseball. Mm -hmm. And then the Mets are minus 112, right? So that means if you bet... Um, $112, you'll win 100 right? If you bet 105 on the Giants, you'll win 100 bucks. So it's uh, it's kind of an unusual um, line. So, yeah. Um, and the over-under is 8.5. So what's what's your pick? I am going to go with the Giants in this one here. I know it's kind of like the homer pick. But yeah. uh, the Giants' bullpen looks a little bit more well-rested. Um, during this second game of the series, just because, um, you know, their starting pitcher uh, yesterday went about five and a third um, there, and they only had to put in about a couple relievers out there. So McGee is mm -hmm. still rested. Tyler Rogers um, is still rested um, here. And I don't know if I see the Mets really bouncing back from losing eight, nothing the previous yeah. game. They looked, uh, they looked pretty flat and, it looks like the Mets season is really coming, you know, towards yeah, the end, to be honest, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and, uh, the, you know, the Giants have been really hitting a lot of home runs. Um, I see that New York weather, you know, staying humid out there and I still mm -hmm. see the Giants, you know, just, I, I see them uh, continually raking 
um, in the second game. So I'm going to pick the Giants, and I'm going to pick the over at eight and a half. I think it's going to be a semi-high-scoring game. I think it's going to be somewhere around like six to four um, mm-hmm. Giants, in which the Giants hit about you know three home runs. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you, right? So <clears throat> I'm going to go with the Giants as well. So usually when it comes to lines, um, yeah. why it's minus 105 is there's a lot of money on the Giants, right? It moved the line mm-hmm. from a plus line to a minus line. Um, and usually it takes a lot of big bettors to do that. So, so I'm going to go with the Giants there. And with the same reason as you, right? I think the Mets have been fizzling a lot. And we should have swept, I think, the Mets the last time we played them as well. I think there was a very tragic game where we couldn't close, um, you know, at home. But I don't I don't suspect these are the same Mets we played in the last series. You know, I think they got pretty beat up by the Dodgers as well. So they're, they're demoralized. And right now, Giants are playing playoff baseball, right? Every game matters. It's not the playoffs yet, but they're in that playoff mentality, I think. So they're in this must-win every single game to keep up with the Dodger mode and keep up keep up our lead. So, so yeah, I think the Giants are going to play out, and then their long ball is looking great, right? And when they get hot, they get hot. You know, <laughs> It's consistent yeah. throughout the series. So, yeah, so I'm going to go with the Giants and go with the over as well, right, because of the hitting and, the, and what you mentioned. So... Okay, right. and then so our next game that we're going to pick is going to be the Oakland A's game. So Oakland A's are at home, and like I mentioned, this is a pretty important game for the A's, pretty important series against the Yankees because the mm-hmm. Yankees are leading the wild card at two and a half, um, and the A's are out, right, out, out two and a half games out. So um, it's going to be the Yankees side, Jameson Tallon. He's eight and four with a 3.94 ERA. 121 strikeouts and then on the a side it's james caprillion with who is seven and four with a 3.25 era and 87 strikeouts um the a's are at home uh yankees are underdogs at plus 100 and the oakland a's are minus 125 and the over under is eight so what are your picks there you know, I think the Oakland A's, they are fizzling a little bit as well here, kind of losing um, in heartbreaking fashion against the Giants and also been losing against the Mariners. And the Mariners are one of the bottom barrel teams out there in the American League. The Oakland A's, they should try to bounce back um, from this game, but I think the Yankees are a little bit too much to overcome, uh, at least in the beginning of this series um, here. So I'm going to go with the Yankees, and I'm going to go with the under um here um just because i think it's a little bit more difficult to hit in oakland and i think there's Mm -hmm. less you know home run balls being being hit so i'm going to go with the under i think it's going to be more like a four three game um and i think the yankees will prevail what are your thoughts about this one yeah um i guess i'll start with the over under i think i agree with you it's gonna be the under i think the there uh, the a's haven't hit it over in a long time i think they probably yeah. hit it in the last game or two games ago where the mariners beat them five three right that was like nipping at the over under and usually baseball over unders is around eight right eight and a half or nine at most so so i think they were nippy at the over under but i think yeah i agree with you i think it's gonna be an under because of how the bats are a little bit, you know, cold. I think on both sides, right? I think even the Yankees' side is a little cold. 
Um, I, I struggle a lot with which team to pick here, you know, like mainly because I feel like the Yankees are good, um, but they have been a little bit slumping as well, I believe, right? I think the last yeah. few games, they've um, actually did, they've won the last few games, so never mind. <laughs> I think they're on a win streak right now, but, you know, the A's are playing desperate. You know, I think the desperate team usually wins, and that's why I'm kind of struggling here. But yeah, maybe the Yankees' firepower is just a bit too much to handle. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess I'll, I'll I'm gonna pick the Yankees. I mean, I really don't want to. I actually want to play, <laughs> pick the A's here. You know, I yeah. I feel like with the A's losing the series, it's gonna be a de- devastating blow to the season. You know, I think. After this series, if they get swept, I feel like the season's pretty much over. And it's a four-game series, too. It starts tomorrow, right? A four-game series that goes through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, if they don't at least take two out of four, uh, I think I think the season's over for them. You know, I hate to say that, but, but that's the reality of things, right? So, yeah, so... Yeah, I'll go with the Yankees mainly because I think that's what's going to happen. But my heart is with the A's. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very good. Any lasting thoughts here for the week? Uh, No, I think, yeah, the baseball series are interesting, right? I think with the Mets and with um, the A's and the Yankees, I'm actually going to focus a lot on the A's and Yankees, you know, just to see how they do. I I think uh, even though I'm not a huge, like, A's fan, I'm more of a Giants fan. Um, I root for them. They're in the Bay, and you know, in general, I just feel bad for them too. <laughs> mm-hmm. I became more of a fan after uh, Moneyball. You know, I, I think that Brad Pitt kind of convinced me to be uh, kind of an A's fan there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'll be rooting for them, and then I'm looking forward to the last uh, preseason game. And then next week when we talk, it's going to be the start of the season soon. You know, so that's uh, kind of a crazy thought too. So. What about you? Yeah, just just the fact that the Giants uh, pulled off the Bay Bridge series and ended up winning the Bay Bridge trophy. And that goes to um, the team that uh, has the best win-loss record against each other um, here. And it's just just also amazing at how competitive the games were, right, Mm -hmm. against Oakland this past weekend. Um, Every game was pretty close, right? Yeah. And uh, the Giants looked like they were, you know, about to lose two out of three in that series. And they ended up... uh, Kind of pulling out of it and winning that kind two of, out of three, yeah yeah winning mm-hmm. out of two out of three so um it kind of shows like uh you know where which direction um each team is going one one is going up north and the other is kind of going down south um here but we'll see because the a still they have uh, plenty of time left they still have the rest of august and they have until mm-hmm. um september too to kind of pull a pull one of those hot runs that they're uh, known for yeah, that's what I think is amazing about this Giants team is the fact that they're built to come back. You know, and the long mm-hmm. ball is uh, they're, they're almost like competitive with themselves. You know, like whenever you know Wade Jr. gets like a home run, you see Brandon Belt gain one right after him, or Chris Bryant gets a home run, you see Brandon Belt or Longoria gets a home run right after. You know, so I feel like yeah. they're kind of competing among themselves on how many home runs they can get throughout the whole season. And I wouldn't be surprised in the locker room they have like a. You know, a bet a among themselves. Or yeah, yeah. or tally sheet yeah. or a bet among themselves to kind of keep this uh, hot streak going. And I think it's good. It's healthy. It's pushing the guys to to kind of, um, you know, work harder at the plate, right? So I think the philosophy is working too. They're not just swinging at random stuff too. They're really disciplined at the plate. 
but yet able to get some whole runs. So, yep, totally agree. Well, that concludes uh, this week's show here. Thank you guys for listening. That's the show for today. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike 408 at Mind of Jerry 11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.